everyone. Hope you've had a great week. Thanks for tuning into our podcast and hope it encourages you, inspires you as you go about your week. Here's today's message. Hey, friends, take a seat. Morning. Good to see everyone. Um, great to be together. And I know it's been a long time since we've actually been here to remember, but I don't know if you picked up. Uh, we had Nori up on stage here this morning, our beautiful Filipino friend. First time ever. <laughs> Nori, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, yeah, hey, good to see all you guys and, um, and everyone else who's watching at home too. Um, hey, it's not long. It's not long till we're going to have unlimited numbers in here. And no masks or no compulsory masks. Um, And at the same time too, we all know, every one of us knows, believe me, we do. um, It's really difficult working through at the moment, isn't it, with all that's happening around vaccinations. But I tell you what. Um, for any of our friends in our family who are not vaccinated or who are still struggling with that, uh, you are just as much a part of our family now as you ever were, all right? And, uh, and we are working really hard on finding the best ways to keep connecting with you too, all right? We're still here, we're not going anywhere, and we're not splitting into a two-tiered system here at Mill Park Baptist Church, all right? We're not doing that under any means whatsoever, are we? No? You guys don't sound real convinced on that. Sorry if you're watching at home. They don't sound real convinced on that here. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not splitting into two tiers. But hey, um, friends, this week I was studying, just as I normally do, getting ready to speak to you this morning, right? And I did some reading. That's what I would normally do. Everything was normal. Started putting together like I normally would uh, an outline of what I wanted to say so that then, you know, we'd get here this morning. And this is just normal. This happens every time, you know. Uh, work out, a bit of an outline. And then I'd get here this morning and then speak to you. And a key part of that early in the piece, I just thought of, you know, when I was doing the reading, because we're talking John the Baptist, right? The radical forerunner and follower of Jesus. And so I did some reading. And then this verse popped into my mind. Here it is. 1 John 2, 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, if you didn't know that verse before, um, or, you know, maybe you'd sort of heard it, but you didn't know where it was in the Bible, chances are that you have heard the phrase, even if you've never been in church in your life, you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower. You might have heard that old cliche phrase, you know, often we talk about like, you heard that, and there's movies about this, the seven deadly sins, yeah? And you've heard, haven't you, about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all right? We've, th- those phrases get banded around in all sorts of circles. Or, or the New Living Translation of our Bibles puts that same verse, it says this, it says, for the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. So lust the flesh, lust the eyes, pride of life. These are not from the Father, they're from this evil world. Okay, so I saw those, those verses in the Bible, they're familiar ones to me, and I thought, well, we'll work that into the message today, right? Um, and I thought, this message, John the Baptist, 
our friend who we're living in his life here for a few weeks, have been, still a couple of weeks to go. Um, this guy, he's actually a cousin of sorts to Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, his role, we've seen, it's to be the radical forerunner to Jesus. In other words, to tell people that Jesus is coming, to tell people that Jesus is here now. Um, and it's not just Jesus, some guy, it's God's chosen Messiah. And then he's a follower of Jesus because he's living his life following Jesus. So I thought when we got JTB, as we know him, he's in prison. He was in prison, you know, as in the last couple of weeks that we've spoken about. Um, And he's in prison because he's spoken up about King Herod's immorality. Um, And then one thing leads to another. And Herod's Lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, King Herod's, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, takes him over. And that results in our friend, JTB, getting executed. So I thought, yeah, well, that verse, we'll work that verse in, eh? And then I thought of this saying I know, and I realised I know this saying well, I can quote it, but I don't know who said it. The saying is this, you heard this? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. Now I've heard that saying, I've, I've read it in books like, oh, I must have first read that 30 years ago. But I thought, oh, who said it? So I looked it up, I wanted to track down the author, um, And it's often a bit hard, especially with a really popular quote like that, it's often a bit hard to track down exactly who did coin the phrase. Um, You can't be 100% sure. But the best I could find out on the internet, so I'm not not totally sure on this, but the best I could find out, I couldn't find any other reference on the internet to anyone else having coined it. It's attributed to a guy whose name is Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, if you do know of him, you'll probably also know something of the last 18 months or so of the pain and the distress and the scandal and the collateral damage and fallout that's still happening now that goes with this man. Indian-born, Canadian-American, maybe the foremost Christian apologist of the last several decades in the world, intellectually beyond brilliant, this man. Preacher, communicator, and at least to me, who has several of the the 30 books that he authored on the shelves in my office, he seemed prior to his death in May last year from cancer, he seemed to me, and I would have said, I would have backed him, he seemed like the real deal, this guy. Godly man of humility and integrity. I I would have backed him. I would have backed him ahead of a lot of others. And it only emerged after his death. The guy who made that phrase up, as multiple sources accused him of serious sexual misconduct. And then there was an ensuing independent legal investigation which confirmed the veracity of the claims. My heart breaks, friends, like it, 
You can see the irony, can't you? When I went looking for who wrote that, it was Ravi Zacharias. And I'm not here this morning to speak about Ravi Zacharias because my heart breaks in that situation. You know, but it breaks every time this happens. And I say every time. You know why? Because there have been and there will be many times that this happens. But it was apparently Ravi Zacharias himself who had said, sin will take you further or farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. <sighs> hey, you know that feeling, don't you? I bet you you do, that feeling of being pulled along by the world or by the crowd. It, not so much the times when you make a decision it's, it's an intentional decision to do something naughty or wrong. It's more so like, you, this is what happened to you. You wake up one morning and you think, how did I get here? What just happened? Because one thing led to another. And next thing, you're in it up to your neck. And so... Whenever it was, you stepped sideways and then you had to cover it up and then you had to cover up your cover-up and next thing, your life became all about covering up. And now, now you even believe the lies that you're told. So many times you've told them. You know, don't you? You know the pull of the world, don't you? I know you do. If you've been breathing breath for longer than a couple of minutes, you know the pull of the world. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, physical pleasure, the insatiable longing for what we see and the pride that comes with achieving and owning more and more. You do know, don't you? Seems a long time ago now for you. When you stop and consciously look back, it seems a long time ago since you, since you just stopped that good habit. You know, like you used to give faithfully and generously and consistently to God. You used to stay sexually pure. You used to, one day, you used to declare every cent of your income to the tax man. You used to love your wife like a queen. Or you used to love your husband like a king. It seems so long ago now when you stop and look back. And you didn't even, you don't even remember stopping it suddenly. You just drifted off it. Now, like I said, John the Baptist paid with his life 
over someone else's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. We're going to see that this morning. And we can, if we want to, we can quite rightly dress that up in truly good speak. Okay, so that, that makes John the Baptist one of God's precious martyrs. So he is specially honoured in all of eternity for that. The moment his head was chopped off, he became one of that treasured company. But I, quite frankly, I struggle now and I've struggled as I've studied that to, to take heart in that. I'm still working on that in, for me because, because, don't you? Like, I like the idea of freedom from my pain here on earth, not down the track. I mean, I like that too, you know. But, like, I want freedom now like I like the concept if I'm John the Baptist in prison I like the concept of Jesus helping me out of prison here and now I don't want to wait for that truth is though for John the Baptist and I can't tell you any other way he paid for this with his life because he did not get pulled along by the world by the crowd so sin did not take him farther than he wanted to go it didn't keep him longer than he wanted to stay it didn't cost him more than he wanted to pay doesn't have to friends so John the Baptist he's uh, sorry Jesus is now when we're going to look at this if you've got your Bible Mark chapter 6 Jesus is well into his public life now by the time this is written about and and what happens is you'll see what I mean Mark's gospel the the book of Mark in our Bible takes a look backwards all right read it with me you see what I mean Herod Antipas he's the king soon heard about Jesus all right, so we've skipped forward Herod hears about Jesus because people everywhere were talking about him. So, so John's done his job, his forerunner job. Some were saying about Jesus, so Jesus, this must be John the Baptist come back to life again. That's why he can do such miracles. And when Herod heard about Jesus, he said it too. He said, John... Look at this, the man I beheaded has come back from the dead. Now, we never get told in the Bible about John's beheading in the present tense, like when it's happening. It's only looking back that we get to read about it. And now, here's the past tense. So, so what was it that got John beheaded? Like, we knew he was in prison, but like, executed? Look in verse 17, Mark chapter 6. For Herod had sent. See, so now it's looking back. Now Mark, who's writing this, is looking back. Here's what had happened. For Herod had in the past sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John. Now look carefully. Remember, friends, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll, it'll, you'll, it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. That little thing. That subtle change, that, you know, that minor wink. Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favour to Herodias. She had been his brother, Philip's wife. Philip, they call him the Tetrarch. He's in Rome. Herod was Philip's guest in Rome. He's had some sort of liaison there with his brother's wife, 
one thing leads to another. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. She leaves Philip, her husband, and marries her brother-in-law, Herod Antipas. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. And John, poor guy, had kept telling Herod, it's illegal for you to marry your brother's wife. That's how he finds himself in prison. It says that he'd kept telling Herod, so more than once. And that probably means, and especially when you put it together with what we'll read in a moment, that Herod was at the very least listening. May not have been agreeing, but he was listening. Lost the flesh, lost the eyes, pride of life. Look in verse 19. Herodias, that's the wife, she was enraged. She wanted John killed in revenge, but without Herod's approval, she was powerless. What's a good guy like John languishing in some dungeon for? Herod respected John, it says in verse 20, knowing that he was a good and holy man. So he kept him under his protection. So he's got him in jail to keep his wife happy, but he's got him under protection. Herod was disturbed whenever he talked with John, didn't like what he heard, but even so, he still liked to listen to him. Because our hearts do have a hankering after truth, friends. They do. The pull of the world is so strong. It's enticing on all fronts, isn't it? How do we deal with it? What do we do? An opportune time came on Herod's birthday when he gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. Now, friends, there's nothing inherently wrong with a party, is there? Like, I love parties. So much fun sitting around for the evening with good friends and telling stories and having a few laughs. Like, Deb and I did this on Friday. We went to someone's house on Friday night. Hey, it's like, whoa. And it was on the other side of town. It was more than 15 k's away. And we had dips. Deb made one and took it. Anyone ever had Deb's nacho dip before? I Haley, you have. Um, this is a dip that you just cannot stop eating. And Tara had made one. I don't, I'm not sure what that's called, but it's just as good. Well, not quite as good as Deb's, but it's just pretty good. Um, and then, then, okay, so we sit around and talk for a while. Then Matt cooks us up entree pasta. We eat that. Then when we've stopped eating that, then Matt cooks us eye fillet steaks on the barbecue. And then after we eat all that, we sit around and talk for a while. Then we had chocolate mousse with minted dark chocolate Kit Kats and cream. And you guys know Jeff, don't you? I normally do not eat dessert. I don't, like I, you know, three times a year maybe, I eat dessert. So Tara's already made these and they're already in the cups. And she says, oh, and I said, look, Tara, would it, would it worry if I don't have one? She said, no, that's okay. She said, you sure you don't, you sure you don't want to just have a little bit like, 
And, and I was, I, like, honestly, I was feeling sorry for her. So I said, okay, well, look, I'll, I'll just have a little bit. And she said, look, just have a little bit and leave the rest and Matt will have it tomorrow. You know, because it was in a dish or I didn't just have a little bit. Like, and you know what? <laughs> they all made fun of me because I was first to finish. <laughs> they were all still going. There's nothing wrong with a party. But it's not just a party. Look at this. When Herodias's own daughter... So we think her name's Salome, we know. This is probably Herod's stepdaughter. She came in and danced. Friends, towards the end of a feast like this in this time, it was customary for immodest women to be introduced. The party's for men. So immodest women, and then by their dance gestures, they imitate passionate, lustful scenes in well-known mythologies. You can probably imagine, can't you? Only inflaming the passions of these drunken male banqueters, keeping an eye on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Look at this. So when she danced... She pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, <laughs> he's gone weak at the knees when he's seen this. Ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He promised her with an oath, whatever you ask me, I will give you even up to half my kingdom. Like that, this is a den, this, isn't it? It's not just Herod and his drunken red blood male buddies. Did you think about a mum who would expose her daughter to that scene? And in this frenzy, Herod offers anything, even if it costs him a whole lot more than he really wants to pay. So the girl goes out. She asks her mother, hey, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, you go back and ask for John the Baptist's head. So she hurries back to the king and she told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Now I've had that sickening sensation more than once in my life, not of wanting someone's head on a tray, but of being pulled along by the crowd, by the world. One thing's led to another, and now I, it's almost like I wake up and I am in agonizing pain while I'm asking, how did I get here? What just happened? And I'm in it up to my neck, it's, it, but it's done, and I can't turn the clock back now, no matter how desperately I wish I could. That's one of the most painful feelings I've ever felt. You too? Look at this, the king did. Then the king was very sorry. But he was embarrassed to break his oath in front of his guest. The pull is too strong, he concludes, for him to stop. He's the sovereign king, you know. He could change his oath if he wanted to. Who's going to question him? He can humble himself if he wants to. 
But my friend, once sin has taken you farther than you wanted to go, hear me, it'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you want to pay. I guarantee you, just like it did for King Herod. So he sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. And when John's disciples heard what had happened, they came for his body and buried it in a tomb. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. Um, You know what happens, my friends, in you, like in you? not just in Herod, in you, when you get pulled by the world. A few things. Firstly, we're predisposed to sin, okay? Um, lust. If we say the lust, the flesh, lust, the eyes, and we use that word a lot. Um, and don't we, I, I bet you when I say that word, like we narrow it down in our society now and we use it most often to refer, most of the time, we ref, we, like when we say that, we're talking about men being tempted towards sexual sin. Now, don't get me wrong, that's definitely included in lust, but lust, the way that the Bible talks about it, is a lot bigger than that, a lot bigger than that. We should actually see it more broadly as, listen in, Any inordinate desire for sensual, as opposed to sexual, sensual or pleasurable excitement. Strong, ill-regulated desire or passion in whatever direction it expresses itself. It's not just for men and it's not just for sex. Those desires will work your ruin. And friends, we have all got hearts that are irrevocably and universally predisposed to sin. Now, Herod, like, sure, he's the son of the great King Herod, who is a voluptuous, murderous tyrant, And he might have been, King Herod here that we've just read about, like he might have been more overtly evil or nasty or violent than you or me. Like, I mean, does anyone want to confess here? Like, has anyone ever had someone beheaded? So he's a bit worse than us. But his nature is no different to any of us. Because it says in... Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious standard. My friend, that is your nature. And you know, I'm convinced of it now after these years of life, as long as I've gotten to live, and and that for me has included 12 years in the police force and four of those years investigating murders in the homicide squad, Um, and the rest other years dealing with drugs and abuse and violence and tragedy and accidents. And then for 25 years as a pastor, do you know what I'm convinced of? Any one of us is capable of anything. Any one of us 
He's capable of anything. And that's because we've all got that nature. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And even if we manage to get through life and keep that nature relatively in check, so no, we don't go rob any banks, we don't go kill any bystanders, we don't go have an adulterous affair, we're still part of this broken down world. And the sin nature makes us fall short of God's perfect standard. Every single aspect too of the broken down world we live in, including every single aspect of coronavirus. And right now, you know what that includes, world uncertainty, hostile division over vaccinations and lockdown policies, volatile anger over governments and their decisions and behavior and rationale, the virus itself, sickness, death, economic crisis, every single aspect of coronavirus is tainted by the sin in our world. There would be no coronavirus without sin. You see, sin isn't just the naughty things that we do. Sin is what breaks our whole world down, friends. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. The most perilous thing that Herod could do was to hold that banquet. Lying back on his divan, lolling on his cushions, eating his rich food, quaffing the sparkling wine, regaling all of his followers, falling on every word that he says. Everything is ripe for evil to take over. All right, so we're predisposed to sin and we are tempted to sin as well. Herodias, she's watching her opportunity. Sure enough, it comes. It's Herod's birthday. Reveling is at its height. Strong wines, they've already done their work. And yet she's okay with her daughter being exposed to that apparently. So she says, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. That's how suggestions come to us. And, and, and friends, like as long as you're breathing breath, they'll continue to come to you. Temptation, God says in his word, James chapter 1, verse 14, temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. Remember, we've already, all of us have already got the evil desires. They're there. These evil, these evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. Sin will take you farther than you want to go it'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay after we're tempted then we decide to sin now the king is exceedingly sorry you saw that didn't you the girl's request sobers him um, face turns pale he clutches at his cushions and his ethics, though, like apparently the, he can't break an oath, but he can order an innocent man's head chopped off. I don't know how you weigh those two up. Looking back on it, you see, and I see it, he never, ever should have pledged half his kingdom. What was he thinking? And you know what it's like, you know, when we get captivated, we get enamored and, and, and we slip. It's not always thought out. We cooperated with that nature that we've got. Now, Herod's, that's unlawful imprisonment and murder. 
Yours might not be that bad. But it's still a decision that we make to act out of our sinful nature. And in the times where, where, where it does seem subtle, and it is like, what happened? How did I get here? You know, it's sometimes more that we don't make the other decision, which is not to act out of our sinful nature. One thing leads to another, and sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, cost you more than you wanted to pay. It's all Herod and Herodias and Salome we've been talking about today. And, and, but what about like poor old JTB, this guy, like in a dungeon to start with, he's already there at the start of the day and then by the end of the day today, he's martyred and dead. That hassles me, my friend. That really, really hassles me. Because I, like I said earlier, I see myself and I feel like I'm in prison with my pain and I want to get out of prison. I don't want to be invaded by pain anymore. But, <laughs> but I don't want to get out of prison by getting my head chopped off. So how would, how would I hook into John's story, even in light of all this evil we've seen? Just John had the key though. He had the answer. It's not just for himself, but it's, but his answer's good for you too. Right at the outset, do you remember right back at the start of John a few weeks ago, before he'd been thrown in jail, you remember this? It's in Luke chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. You see, Herod wasn't actually some angry crusader, never some judgmental bigot. Nor was he one of those Jesus followers that makes you cringe. He knew. He knew that sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay cost you more than you want to pay he, he, like, he, he knew the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life and he knew that that nature that every one of us has and that's it's the nature that leads us to, to do the noughties and leads to death and that's why he came with the good news in Romans chapter 3 Verse 21, look at this. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in his sight. Not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the scriptures long ago. We're made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in this way no matter who we are or what we've done. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. And yet now God, in his gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He's done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. For God sent Jesus 
And remember, he sent John ahead of Jesus to tell people Jesus was coming. Not to be angry at him, but to, to warn him so they wouldn't miss him, so they wouldn't miss out on this good news. It's good news, friends. It's not bad news. Um, so they wouldn't miss out on the way to find meaning and hope and purpose, even if it was in the midst of a COVID pandemic. God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to satisfy God's anger against us. We are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. Okay, so where does God speak to you this morning? My friend? You in danger, going farther, staying longer, paying more. Now's the time, my friend, like I mean, you're listening, right now. To pull up, stop dead in your tracks. Take radical, ruthless action. It's a long time ago, pre-kids, Deb and I jumped onto a flight to come home from Canada. And um, we got on, and I'm going to name the airline, Air Canada, in Toronto. Um, we're going to fly to LA, and we've got a, I think from memory, you know, like we had, we had enough time for our LA over probably two hours, three hours or so, and then we're going to join a United Airlines flight, their partner airlines. We're going to join United to fly back to, to Melbourne um, via Auckland, New Zealand. All good. So we get on the Air Canada flight and um, we, you know, sit there and pretty much on time. We back out from the terminal and we, you know, we go right out. And we're right out near the end of the runway. It's a big airport. Pearson Airport at Toronto, we're right at the end and the pilot comes on um, and he says, oh friends, I'm sorry, we've got bad news, um, we've, got a, we've got a mechanical problem, so we're going to have to go back and have the technicians fix it before we can take off, sorry, there'll be a bit of a delay. Oh, well, like, I mean, we prefer to get that fixed, don't we, you know, before we, I'm preferring to fix it now rather than later, so we've got to be there. And I was sitting on the window. We pulled in back into the terminal. And I'll tell you, when we pulled in, I could see it. There was, you know, there was one of those little tractors there with a whole lot of carts on the back with a whole lot of luggage on it. And they pulled up and I could see them. They started loading it into our plane. So we know what's happened, don't we? Like, and, and I didn't see anyone else. And they take a while to load all this stuff. So... My conclusion is we've been lied to by the pilot. There's no, there's no mechanical problem. They've just forgotten to put luggage on board. I think it looks like all the luggage for the whole... I was going to say a word I shouldn't say then. Like for the whole aircraft. So we're sitting there for ages and then there's all banked up traffic so we can't leave the terminal. So the bottom line is we end up leaving and now we're going to be, like, we're going to be in all sorts of trouble making our connection. You know? And I've forgotten what it was, but we've got to be back in Melbourne for something. You know? So like... 
And so then they're flying in the air and they're saying, yeah, we're going to be late, we're going to be late. And look, if you've got connecting flights, let our staff know and that sort of stuff. So we let the staff know and they go, okay, look, Mr. Shepherd, when we get there, you know, like there'll be, a, there'll be a ground agent there for you and they'll be able to help you and tell you what to do, all that sort of stuff. So we fly in, we get in, and I think from memory, we've got like, it's a very, very short time till we're going to, our, our, our flight is going to take off. If you've been to Los Angeles International Airport before, it's like it's this huge, big airport and it's in like a horseshoe shape. And we've landed in whatever terminal it was on one side of the horseshoe and United Airlines, I know, they, they, they work for, they've got their own terminal over the other side of the horseshoe, yeah? And I'll tell you, friends, the plane pulls up and they say, passengers who've got a tight connection, I just realised we've got a pilot here. Sorry about the pilot's profession, Robert. I don't mean to, I don't mean to degrade the profession at all because I was a bit upset with that pilot that day, um, but not you. Um, and um, I just realised that now. Anyway, so they're telling us they've got ground agents to help us and, and, and that. And, you know, priority, if you've got a connected flight, put your hand up and you get off first. So we get off first. And I'll tell you, Deb and I get there. We get to this ground agent. So, yeah, we've got the United flight. And he goes, okay, right. Now, it's over the other side of the terminal there. Run fast. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, well, that's what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, run. You have to run. You have to run really fast to get that connection. And that, that, that's what the ground agent's doing to help us, yeah? So we run, and that's literally all we could do. And we, and we run, 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 run. And then when we get there, by the way, this isn't the point of the story. When we get there, they try to tell me that they've just closed the flight and we've missed it. I said, no, you have not just closed your flight. And yes, we have, sir. Well, get your supervisor here right now then. And we got the flight open. You know what God says, friends? Run. Because that was like this rudimentary advice. Well, they're telling me to run. That's it. You know, sometimes God's advice to you when it comes from sin that's going to take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer you wanted to stay, cost you more than you wanted to pay. God's advice is as simple as that. Look at this. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right pursue you know that word in the greek language actually means to persecute it's like if you want to hunt someone down to kill them that's the word they'd use for it right pursue faith and love and peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the lord with pure hearts you need to do that this morning friends right now's the time yeah sin will take you farther than you wanted to go it'll keep you longer you wanted to stay it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay and the other group of people that may be here with us and listening in this morning is that you're realizing that you are in sin and you need Jesus rescue you need to you need to come into relationship with him you know what everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved everyone Sin is going to take you farther than you wanted to go. It's going to keep you longer than you wanted to stay. It's going to cost you more than you wanted to pay. You want to pray with me? Um, just want to give you a moment before I say more. Give you a moment just to, just to think. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you now. If you're not familiar with that, you don't have to do anything spectacular for that just 
just open your heart, your willingness to be able to hear. There's nothing wrong with saying to him, okay, um, Holy Spirit, please, would you speak to me? And even if you're watching or you're here and you don't even, never even believe before, just say, well, God, if you're there, if you're there, would, and, and if you speak to me, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. Just tell him that. He won't do anything to trick you. He won't, like friends, he, he, won't, he won't hoodwink you and he won't coerce you and he won't, um, he won't do anything unethical with you. He'll just communicate his love to you. And he'll communicate to you just so that you know in your spirit, not just because Pastor Jeff told you, like he'll, he'll communicate to you that you do need him. That you're lost without him. Okay, so if that's the case and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, now whether that's to, for the very first time to come into relationship with God through Jesus or maybe you've already got that relationship, but yes, sin has got you in its grip. Now's the time just to give some response to God with that. And I'll leave it to you what that response is. I mean, later on, and Tash will, will lead us in this as well. Later as we finish, I'll be around. Um, our other pastors are around too. We'd love to pray with you. Um, love to chat with you. Um, but just, just now let the Holy Spirit guide you in a response. Okay, if you want to know Jesus, you might just, just say to him something, Lord Jesus, thank you. I, I don't know it all yet, but what I do know is that you died on the cross to take the punishment for my sins and for my sin nature. Thank you for doing that. And, and now I, I ask for your forgiveness. And I turn from my sin, I turn to you God and then if you're stuck wherever it is in sin even if it's even if it's one of those things that is as dark as can be and there's not a soul that knows about it except you my friend Jesus is here right now and it is safe it is safe he has his arms open He will come to you, draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. And he'll lead you into his life-giving forgiveness. Now's the time just to, just to communicate with him about that. Thanks for listening, friends. I love you guys. I love you heaps. And I, thanks for listening. And we're going to worship together. I know for sure that God's got still got more work to do with us as a result of all this this morning. So thanks. Thanks, Tash. Thanks.